Ion 2020 episode of 190. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020, bringing you another day in the life of the 2020 presidential election, all the things that are going on with the candidates, their positions, their parties even. I even focus on the parties and what they're doing in order to uh, make sure that you guys are so up to date and up to speed on what's going on in the news so that you not only just be able to have you know great conversations with your friends and family, but also, so you could change some minds and some hearts and everything else so that we can start moving this libertarian message forward, moving the message of liberty and freedom and individual responsibility and peace and all that thing, all the things that we value, right? We want to bring all those things to people and we can do that when we understand different points of view, understand other people's you know, ideas, and then we can start helping to change those views, right? I was looking at a post the other day, and it was just talking about, uh, you know, one person says something to the effect of, you know, they were talking, I guess they were talking about the environment or something like that, but they were saying that we need the government to do this, this, and this, and I was like, well, that's, that's great, we can make fun of that person as libertarians, or we can meet them where they're at, because they really do believe that it's the government's responsibility to take on those things, right, and it's our job to kind of punch holes in their worldview and let them know that it's not the government's job to take care of every single thing within our lives, from the house that we live in to the cars that we drive, all the regulation that goes along with that. That's not their job. That's our job to be, you know, to bring those people to the libertarian movement rather than just criticizing them and laughing at them and stuff like that for what they believe. Especially like, I was look, I'm looking at, all the Facebook posts about this little girl who, I guess she's a sophomore in high school. She's from Sweden. She's speaking in front of, like, the United Nations. She's speaking in front of Congress. And everyone's posting these pictures of her just looking like the meanest little girl. And, like, she's just, um, you know, so emotionally distraught over this thing. And everyone's kind of posting these things. And they're just using it. They're They're posting all these different memes and stuff of this girl. And... The thing is, is like this girl is just a useful idiot in their little in their little um, charade that they're trying to have propagandize us towards you know this some kind of world government where it's in charge of the environment or something. I mean that's my complete feeling on this is that they're trying to have a world agenda, and the one thing that the United Nations can start getting power on is the environment because that's something that affects everybody. That's a world common is the air, right? That's a common common ground for every single nation in the world is that we all share the earth, we all share the environment, we all share the air. So they're using it as a propaganda piece to appeal to people's emotions, to see this little girl is just so terrified of the world that we live in. Who made her feel that way? Who made her feel that way? It's the people that 
the people that go to the polar side, like these po- the polar sides of each of these ideas, right? I talked about this the other day. You have the one group that's complete climate deniers, climate change deniers. And then you have the people on the other extreme pole of, oh, the world's going to end in five years and we're going to be uninhabitable and there's going to be mass extinction. And that's what this little girl believes, is mass extinction is coming soon. But we don't get anywhere with this movement by criticizing them, by posting stupid memes, by looking like we don't give a crap. We don't get anywhere with that. We got to meet them in their at their ground and say, you know what? Yeah, maybe there is some kind of climate crisis, but do we really need the federal government to step in and use force against people? Do we really need to give some sovereignty away to a world government, right? Do we need that? I don't think so. We don't need that globalization. We don't need the United Nations regulating things. What we need is technology to get us out of that. If people truly do believe that climate change is real, it'll change the culture, right? Culturally, we'll start thinking to ourselves, well, maybe I'll change my light bulbs to use better light bulbs that are less energy efficient. Or more energy efficient, sorry. I'll use solar panels on top of my house. I'll push for nuclear power. Things like that. Like culturally, we could change these things across the world we can even. The better and cheaper solar power becomes, the more people will be likely to use it. You see it on, I mean, rooftops are have solar panels all over them nowadays, right? There's a lot of government, government subsidies that went into that. But, I mean, China went out and produced so many solar panels that was just absolutely insane. And they had this huge glut of solar panels and they just started dumping them in the United States. All of a sudden, our government goes and starts taxing them and starts putting tariffs on them so they can't dump them in the United States. But we could have got solar panels for like, a third or even a fifth of the price of the ones that are produced in America if they would have allowed that. And I think they were allowing that for a while as well. But the solution is not government. The solution to these things is not some world body that says, hey, we're going to start regulating this stuff. Because at what point does the United Nations say, you know what, we're in a crisis. We need to take over this thing. It's our job. We're going to be the responsible party. And we're going to force y'all to do it. And if you don't, we're going to send in some troops and make it happen. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that we're there yet. We're probably way away from that. But I always think of the United Nations is like, they're about 50, 60, or 70 years into the United Nations right now. Think about the United States 70 years after the the Constitution, or 70 years after the Declaration of Independence, right? You're like 1850. You have a a bunch of a bunch of states that are sort of united, but they're not really, you know, they're they they still try to wrestle power away from the federal government, but they were a little bit more united than say the United Nations is today. Of course, like all the all the countries that are in the United Nations, they're quite a li- little bit more united, but the federal government continued to grow and grow and grow. All of a sudden, states try to secede from the nation, and then the federal government goes in there and uh, wages war on them and forces them to come back, right? You have the United Nations. The United Nations is a governing body, so it's designed 
in itself is designed to continue to grow, to take on more responsibility, to take on more of a budget, to increase its budget, to increase its spending, to take on more responsibility, to try to take more from its members and force them to do things. At what point does the United Nations become kind of like the federal government, where it starts using money to make those things happen? Our federal government, for example, will withhold money for education if you don't do what they say. They withhold money from the roads if you don't do what they say. At what point does that money coming into the United Nations, from the United Nations back to America in some way, at what point do they withhold that money if we don't do what they say? And at what point does it become a tipping point where there's so much money coming in that we do adjust our policies according to what they say? Same thing with other states, other nations out there. There's probably a lot of nations that do get a lot of subsidies from the United Nations that gives them United Nations the control at that point. They gave up a little bit of their sovereignty. So that's what I feel about that. And I mean, that's just kind of been in the news with this little girl up there giving this little speech and all that and just being so emotionally distraught. But it's not her. She's just a useful idiot in there. She's a tool that's being used to draw on the heartstrings of people across the world. Because they knew that they would get her on TV. They knew it would be a big thing. They knew that there would be so much Facebook posting and Twitter postings about this girl. They knew that. So that's why they put her up there. I can assure you that if it wasn't some, you know, little red-headed white girl up there, if it was some old Arabian guy or something like that, like, they wouldn't have had that much response across the world There's so much publicity. But then again, it becomes a polarizing issue at that point because she's so hyped up on how terrible things are going to be. When I guarantee you, most scientists say, you know, a couple degrees warming, yeah, you'll have a few more storms here and there in in the southern hemisphere and, you know, around the equator and stuff like that. But you'll have longer growing seasons elsewhere and that might be good for food. Like, I'm pretty sure that that's probably what scientists say about this thing. Obviously, we don't want to destroy the planet. I don't think anyone wants to destroy the planet. Any individual doesn't think that, I'm sure. But they have this girl thinking that, you know, the world's going to end and we're going to have a mass extinction in America, in the, in the, on Earth, pretty much. And she's chastising them and just yelling at them. But you know what? It was all read off of a script. I saw it. She kept reflecting on that script and stuff like that. But you got to have sympathy for the girl. She really, truly believes this. She's a true believer in it. And she's also a true believer that it's the government that's going to be the one that fixes it. The world government has to be the one that fixes it. Not cultural change. Not technological change. Not advances in technology. And we have the ability to fix the CO2 emissions in some ways already. We really do. Nuclear power. Start building nuclear plants everywhere. Allow it to happen. Deregulate that industry so that they can quickly put up nuclear power plants across America and across the world. Then you could get those battery-operated cars that you want. All the electricity in your neighborhood will be coming from a clean source. And it's an efficient source. And it's a consistent source. And that's what you need. Wind, solar, that doesn't help. I think France is 75% nuclear. 
25% other stuff, right? But you need a consistent source of energy, especially during peak times. You can't have wind, which, you know, half the time, if the wind's not blowing for a week, what do you do then? Not turn on your lights? Hopefully you have some really good battery systems. But lithium-ion batteries are very expensive to make. It pollutes a lot. They say, like, the pollution from a from a, um, a car, like a hybrid car, electric car, just to put the batteries out there is, like, 20 times what it would be if you just drove a normal car for 10, 15, 20 years or whatever. Because there's, I mean, there's so much pollution that goes into making those batteries with the mining of the lithium and so forth. So who knows what the real solutions are, guys? I don't know. We live in the modern world. We do. But we, I mean, the emotional, this this little girl being so emotional about it, I don't think it did them any justice at all. Because all it did was make everyone go back to their polarized sides. I'm a climate denier. Oh my God, look how terrible things are. We're all going to die. And then everyone else that's in the middle is just left confused and thinking, wow, that was that was quite a charade, guys. That was quite a charade. So, um, And then all of a sudden you get Donald Trump going into the, uh, into the United Nations as well, which I thought was pretty interesting. I listened to like the first 15 minutes. I think his speech was about 30 minutes long. I listened to like the first 15, 20 minutes of it. He really stuck an eye into the... He still always stuck his finger into the eye of the United Nations, saying that we need, you know, sovereignty among these nations, right? Every nation needs to be a sovereign, a sovereign nation, and the people are richer and better because of it. And you know what? You guys know it, what it really comes down to. I mean, this is how I feel. Yeah, the the most the most free you can be is within yourself, right? Like that's the that's the sovereign nation as me, and then my family, and then my community, and then my state, and then the federal government, right? Like we need to be in a position where we fight against the globalist agenda. We need to fight against things like that, where more power at the top, a top-down approach to the entire world, won't work. Just like the top-down approach to the entire country doesn't work. So it's important that we fight against that. And Donald Trump is totally a nationalist. I'm not a nationalist. I think you should break down the, na- the nation as well. Bring it down to the state. And then at that point, bring it down to the city. And then at that point, bring it down to the community. And the neighborhood. And so forth. Like we can govern ourselves. Self-government is best. The government that governs the least is the best government. So if the United Nations, all it did was it was a place where... All the nations can come and just like talk to each other and form some treaties and stuff. That would be great. That would be fine with me. But it goes way beyond that mandate now. And so does the federal government. It goes way beyond the original constitutional mandate. So, But Donald Trump kind of stuck his finger in the eye of, the, uh, of those people there. He kind of, you know, they all have their little globalist agenda. They all have the things that they want to do. And uh, he kind of just stuck it to him and says says, uh, we're a nation, we're sovereign, and y'all should stay sovereign and be your own nation as well. You'll be better off for it. Then he went off on China and all that stuff, which was, uh, eh, whatever, you know. 
he talked about how great America is and how we're, you know, have the lowest unemployment in 50 years. It was a campaign speech in some way. He kind of did not have a lot of emotion on it. I think he just got up there literally and just read his script. He, he was told what to say and he read it. I don't think he even looked at it beforehand. And he was very slowly reading that thing to make sure that he got every single word correct. And I'm sure this handlers basically told him that's what he needs to do. But it was not quite controversial, but it kind of was because he was, you know, sticking his thumb in the eye of those people in the United Nations. Um, just, you know, saying that basically kind of said that, you know, they're not really needed in some way, which uh, I don't know. I don't think it's really needed either, except for the fact that maybe it's a good place for different leaders, of different countries to get together to kind of hash things out rather than going to war. But you know what? Over Over the last... You know, 70 years or so, there's been more wars. Even though the United Nations is there, like the first thing they did is they went and invaded North Korea or in, invaded Korea. And then we got Vietnam, then we got all these different things, and you got the Cold War going on and stuff. I mean, it was just, you know, everything's crazy. But hey, guys, that's really all I really want to talk about today is just this the whole thing that was going on at the United Nations with this girl uh, from Sweden and all, and then also Donald Trump talking. And then uh, tomorrow I'll go ahead and get on some more of these topics about the, uh, the candidates and stuff like that. But that's what I want to talk to you guys about today because this has everything to do with the president and the presidential election because it just shows where Donald Trump is. Oh, by the way, another thing, and I'll, actually I'll probably talk about this one tomorrow as well, is um, Trump being impeached. I just kind of saw that come across the news today and I wanted to talk about that as well. But I don't know enough about it yet, so I'm going to do some research on it and uh, bring you guys some more about that tomorrow. Trump it's official that um, Nancy Pelosi is going to start investigating impeaching Trump. So um, I'll give you the ins and outs of that, all right? So come on back tomorrow to have clear vision for 2020. Um, while you're at it, though, the best way to do that is to subscribe to the show. So subscribe to the show um, and take a second if you can. I'd love to see you guys do this. Um, give me a five-star rating and review on whatever podcast you're listening to listening through uh five star ratings they just help you get into the algorithms uh, also it kind of helps with those people that give you that one star review who are just like you know saying like i had one person said i couldn't even get through the first episode well you know what my first episode i admit it was terrible but i'm not going to take it down uh, i admit it was terrible but also if you're gonna get it was uh, the first episode i did was about um elizabeth warren so uh if you were elizabeth warren fan and you saw that episode and I was criticizing her all almost automatically, then yeah, you might give me a one-star rating or, you know, in, a, in some terrible review as well. But you know what? Uh, hopefully I could win the heart and mind with other people because I know that person might not have had an open mind to it. But it does help out when you guys give me a five-star rating so that I can make sure that, you know, those star ratings come up because when people see better, more stars, they're more likely to click on your podcast as well. And uh, that's what I'm trying to do is grow the audience. So uh, five-star rating review, very helpful. And then uh, if you want to, you could support the show, anchor.fm slash ion2020. And then ion, the empire is the website. And also you could find me on Facebook and Twitter that way as well. And then the best thing you could do tomorrow is come back and have clear vision for 2020. Hey guys, I'm excited to announce the new podcast I'm coming out with called 
first year in sales with Ray Eaton. Now, if you're not a salesperson, then it might not be for you, but if you are a salesperson, or if you know another salesperson, go ahead and direct them towards this show. It's gonna be a show that is based upon helping somebody that's in their first year in sales, or maybe even somebody that is in sales already and just wants to brush up on some of the sales skills that they need in order to be successful. I'm focusing on habits and also different parts of the sales process in order to help people to become more successful in their sales job. So like I said, if you know somebody that's in sales or if you yourself are in sales, go ahead and check out this podcast. It's on all of your podcatchers, anything that you would listen to. And that is called First Year in Sales with Ray Ian.